Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam wrap up their discussion on Article 14 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at a New Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osher. Yes, we're back for the fourth episode of this four-episode arc, as is our custom, going through uh, two episodes on an article of the Augsburg Confession, and then uh, two Bible study episodes. So yeah, I've been pondering something here that I think I might be violating my own rule of (laughs) entertainment a little bit. I was thinking about Lord of the Rings. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings movies, especially the extended editions. Kind of a monumental filmmaking experience, right? 12 hours of Tolkien's universe. And then a few years later, they did The Hobbit. And they turned The Hobbit (laughs) into three movies. And, and, and I don't have a lot of rules in life, but one of those rules mm-hmm. in life is if you can literally read a book faster than you can watch the movies, yeah. then you should probably just read the book. No. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I know for a fact I can read The Hobbit in nine hours. <laughs> I can do that. Mm-hmm. We've just taken one sentence of the yes, uh, <laughs> turned it into four podcast episodes. Yeah, but right. maybe it's maybe it's comparing apples to oranges a little yeah. bit. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there, there's a lot to uh, uh, lot to d- discuss and lot to, lot of uh, content to ring out from that one sentence too. Well, yeah, we, it's it's a really concise theology, but it covers yeah. so many big topics. Right. I mean, we, it, we we've talked. It covers law and gospel. Yeah. Covers order in the church. Covers the office of the ministry. We're going to be introducing today from mm-hmm. Acts chapter five. We're going to be talking about the doctrine of the two kingdoms. Yeah. Uh, so it, it really fascinating how much they um, how much Melanchthon packed into this short little article. Now the. Apology is a little bit longer yes. than one sentence, but yeah. still, a uh, really remarkable job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Yeah, so today we're uh, in Acts chapter 5, and we're going to look at uh, verses 27 through 32, and this will be the uh, what we'll be discussing here, uh, looking at this uh, passage of Scripture. So I'll, I'll go ahead and read that for us, uh, Acts 5, 27 through 32, and I read in Jesus' name. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Here ends the reading of scripture. Amen. 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 So obviously the focus here, uh, and it's actually uh, quoted, I believe, in the apology on this article, is that we must obey God rather than men. Right, yeah, especially that one phrase or one line from that, verse 29. Yeah, yep. and, and uh, man, that has been a contemporary issue mm-hmm. in the church, uh, especially the Church of America. And here I'm going to move from picking on 
generic American Christianity to American patriotic Christianity, okay. which is its, <laughs> which is its own it's subculture its own under yeah. generic American Christianity, is that uh, where this has been misinterpreted and misapplied by the church of today is that because we are Christians, everything we disagree with politically becomes a matter of Christian persecution. Hmm. And that is the abuse that we want to avoid with this. And so the the kind of a comical way, I, I, I think I've told this story on the air before, but kind of a comical way I, I saw this play out uh, is I had a friend in college and, and she would always like notoriously wake up late on Sundays for church. <laughs> and uh, one day she was coming to church and got a speeding ticket. Uh, cause she was late and she's trying to get to church on time and, uh, uh, got into church and was telling this whole story, exasperated, you know, trying to get out of the ticket. And the cop was, you know, seemed like he was being especially unfair to her because she was speeding on the way to church and <laughs> she didn't kind of see the irony of that and all that. And so in the end, you know, you know, some of the more compassionate people in our group of friends are like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she's like, well, it's just the cross I have to bear. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I, I think you're being punished because you're being sinful. <laughs> you know, maybe had you woken up earlier and, and, and not done 80, <laughs> this wouldn't happen, right? That's right. But the church, it, it, it has been observed almost to the point where it's an overcorrection now that the church in America has a persecution complex. Mm-hmm. You know, that uh, we think we're being persecuted because we're Christians and because we disagree with something instead of actually being persecuted because we're Christians. Now, mm-hmm. at any given point in the church, the church is being persecuted, right? Because this right. is the promise of Christ. And in fact, you know, it's it's also comical that on the other side of this issue, the church always seems to be surprised when the culture just doesn't march along yeah, and step right, with us. Right. Like, no, we're going to be persecuted, Right. But if you are, you know, if, if you have a political preference and you're a Christian, someone opposed to your political press preference or someone on the other side of whatever aisle that might be, that is not Christian persecution. And, and this passage and especially that verse and that phrase mm-hmm. help us sort that out because the we must obey God rather than men is again in context mm-hmm. with not only the word of God, right, but also the specific delivery of the gospel, right? The right. preaching, yep, yeah, because they were uh, verse twenty-eight. Fill, they were filling Jerusalem with the teaching, and uh, yeah, they were they were preaching the word. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting here to me that the message that they are proclaiming. Is, is to a world who doesn't want to hear it. Yep. And, and there's something to that as well with, with the call into ministry and the, the role of the minister in the church, the order of the congregation to, to proclaim the word of God is going to look very unpopular. It's going to look very, and, and I, I don't think I have to give examples to express and to prove that. I think we've seen yep. that in our own society. But I, I love what is happening here in verse, I think it's verse 28, where he's talking about, 
you know, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. These are the adversaries mm-hmm. talking now, right? And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Interestingly, <laughs> they got the point. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, and, and they heard they yeah. heard the word preached. They were convicted yeah. by you know you killed the author of life. <laughs> you know that that you know the, the law was doing the work, and and that's kind of the beauty of of the Christian is that we we are given that there are two. We talk about the two kingdoms or the two realms. Maybe is a better way of saying it. Mm-hmm. You have these two different distinct realms. But the Christian and the minister, the, the proclaimer of the word, is invited into the kingdom of this realm and being able to proclaim the law, as, as we talked about kind of between, uh, uh, as, as we were off the air, we were talking about that a little bit. We have the right to preach the law to a, a culture that needs to hear it. And that brings the conviction. And then what do you come in? You come in with the gospel and you see the result. People believe, right? Yep. That's how the Holy Spirit works. And, and it's funny, the same way the Holy Spirit works in calling someone into ministry is, mm-hmm. is how they, the Holy Spirit works in calling the faith, right? right. Through the gospel, through yeah. the preached word. What's interesting about what you identified is you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. That is such an, a disingenuous accusation in this specific instant because these were the guys— at the end of all of the gospels, like this man's blood be upon us and upon our children. Mm-hmm. You know, when they crucified Christ, <laughs> they thought they were doing a service to the world. And and now, once it comes to like stuff they've already admitted, this ain't our problem. Yeah, and and in the offense they took with Peter and John is the same offense that they took when they when they martyred Stephen a couple chapters later. You know, where they plug their ears and start going nah 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 yeah. because he said you will always harden your hearts when you hear yeah. the word of God yeah. kind of a thing. It, it's really interesting because that's the baseline the church needs to operate with mm-hmm. is that the the world doesn't want to hear the gospel because the actual preached gospel involves the acknowledgement of sins, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right, and, and this is where the radical Lutherans go off base. Sure. And where so many people go off base is you either end up preaching law without gospel mm-hmm. or you end up preaching gospel without law. Yep. And neither one of them works. For us to understand this two kingdoms or this two realms distinction where the Christian and maybe even, although we have to be careful, mm-hmm. where the church stands you know, straddling those two realms Mm -hmm. is the role of the Christian, the role of the pastor is to be a truth teller according to the word of God. That means we tell the truth about sin, but we also tell the truth about grace. We tell the truth Mm -hmm. about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And, And it's usually the breakdown of those two in tandem where things go sideways for the church, right? It's either we're not telling the truth about sin and, and, and we're, we're kind of kowtowing, to culture, or we're updating the church. I mean, didn't Francis, Pope Francis, say something about the church being updated with culture recently? I can't remember. I literally can't keep up with the things that he says. But but we, we update the church's message yeah. to keep it in line with the culture, in which there's no sin to forgive, and so the gospel is meaningless. Or we try to absolve people of sins they haven't repented of. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like in in radical Lutheranism and the, the people who follow the, like the teaching of Gerhard Ferdi, the gospel is to address guilt without actually addressing sin. And so you actually end up feeling better about your sin 
mm-hmm. instead of forgiven for your sin, right? And both of them are a problem. And the, the, the hinge that all this swings on is that phrase, we must obey God rather than men. But that phrase extends not to how we operate in society mm-hmm. so much as we operate in society under the word. Mm-hmm. And, and if we miss that nuance, again, we're going to get into all sorts of trouble with Christians and politics and church and politics and, and church-state relationships and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, too, this phrase can be misused, you know, thinking of Article 14 of, you know, in the order in the church where people take this phrase and they're applying, they think that their man-made way of doing things is God's way. And yep. so uh, we must obey God rather than men. And it's kind of a skewed uh, form of that. Yeah, you, you, kind of, you kind of glaze or polish over something saying it's done in the name of God. And, and you, you, we, we run into that trap in the church all the time is we, we start to make every churchly thing a divine right. mandate. Right. And, and actually, I think we can draw this back to the theme of the Mark Driscoll Mm-hmm. situation is if if you have this anointed leader mm-hmm. rather than this called leader, then everything he says gets put on par with the word of God. And what is remarkable in that situation is how often, how often the evangelicals, the people of the generic American church end up coming across as Roman Catholics in, in their theology, because you have this the central focus focal point of the church, and his words are on par with God's words. Well, mm-hmm. that's the papacy yeah, and, and, pope, and, yeah. and ex cathedra, right? Where when the pope speaks as pope, his words are on par with scripture and the decrees of the councils, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how it works. Um, if you're Roman Catholic and I articulated that in exactly, I'm sorry. That's my understanding of the doctrine, but mm-hmm. more or less, that's how it operates. Uh, what happens is if we elevate a person in the church by worldly standards, we miss out on what is going on with Peter and Paul here in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. is that they're operating by the standards of God's word in the church, in society, rather than operating in the church by the standards of men mm-hmm. derived from society. You see how that's inverted? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's a good insight in, into the two realms, into yep. uh, congregational life, into the calling of the apostles here uh, in in their role in the book of Acts. And uh, yeah, and I think that, that that example is instructive for us today, too, in, in how to live out in, in our modern sense of living uh, in these two realms, in the church and in, in society, too. Yeah, and, and I think as if we want to stay at home here in Article 14, yeah. what, what we anchor this in, again, is that the church's mission is laid out in Scripture. The church's activity is laid out in Scripture. And the modern American church treats the identity and the activity of the church as if it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's where we run into problem in conflicts with the government. And I mean, even in in the last eighteen months, the conflict we've seen between church and state over mask mandates and over everything else—that's it's been a problem, not for wanting to stand for the truth, but it's been in a problem is we miss the purpose of the church, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's it's. It becomes a, a patriotic political endeavor rather than a scriptural law and gospel endeavor. Proclamation. Yeah. Right? And I mean, 
if Christian bookstores still existed, and they don't. <laughs> it's, it's so hard because it was such a convenient illustration for so long. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest sections in Christian bookstores when we were in seminary together was was the they had entire books on the identity of the church. What is the church? What does the church do? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the... <laughs> It's an ironic thing. Uh, one of the most popular books on that subject is by a, a Methodist theologian named Stanley Hauerwas, who wrote this book called Resident Aliens. And, and, and the whole point of that book, Hauerwas writes, is for the church to become the church again. But the problem with his book is he never talks about what the church actually is. He just <laughs> leaves it at that. And again, the the, the church, it's this abstraction, is trying to figure out what the church is. And you've got all these passages in Scripture where God is clear that the church has a role, and the ministers of the church have a role, and the people of God in the church have a role, and it's actually very finite and very defined. And when we go far afield from that, we start to get into these problems. Yeah, that's good insight. You know, I honestly hadn't thought so much of our recent uh, cultural context and how much that does apply, you know, where, where this applies, where the word um, is what is to be proclaimed, but we are are getting into the fray, so to speak, getting into the mix of things that the church isn't supposed to be called out. Those lines get dis, uh, get blurred. Uh, that, that's a problem. I hadn't really thought of it, so I appreciate your, your bringing that up. Thanks. So... We, we look at this on a big picture thing and, and to get out of politics before I get myself in trouble. Since <laughs> I, 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 I was going to say, I was wearing yeah, you, 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 yeah. you did careful, the warning careful. sign. Uh, um, so, and, and also because I've controversially made fun of my friends from the South earlier oh, in right. this article, which I still haven't forgiven myself for. Uh, one of the things we, we can trace in the church again is not only the tendency to be political, but the tendency to be commercial in this. And uh, how many uh, of the churches, even in our own denomination, but across denominations, as soon as they become a certain size, they begin to operate as a denomination unto themselves. And the pastor becomes a CEO and the church has employees that manage the marketing and, and the outreach, not as a matter of evangelism, but as a matter of, of brand familiarity in the community. And, and, Again, when, when you, you switch from a political model of, of the church to a commercial model of the church, you lose this instantaneously, and you lose this concept of what it means to obey God rather than men, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if, if Then you, you're faced with a matter of mockery or resistance in the community if your goal is to be popular in the community instead of to propagate the word of God. Mm-hmm. And there's just enough left over, just enough residue in the church to, to convince yourself that we're doing a ministry of the word. When you look at it, you're like, no, you're doing the ministry of Office Max, <laughs> you know, or you're, you're doing the ministry of Target, you know, you're, you know. Uh, a commodification kind of thing. Yeah. The, uh, the, I was at a church this summer. It was um, not, not a Lutheran church, a large church. Uh, and, and we went there in the. We walked in, and the first thing I saw when I walked in there was this person who was ready to greet me. Um, Wearing a blue Walmart vest? And <laughs> almost. <laughs> uh, and it was something, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it had to do with wor- the worship experience director or something oh. like that. And I was like, oh my, I just do feel. And, they, and they, they asked if we were looking for one of the children's environments. 
was what? the exact word. Were you at a zoo? That's what I felt like, too. And I was like, are there children to look at? Are there interesting ones here? You know, more interesting than my own. It's like going yeah. to the tropics exhibit. And, and you think about that, you know, like that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, that yeah. commodification of, of the church and it becomes a commercial thing. Not And, and, and I'm not going to say that this church's purpose was not to proclaim the word. It was, but it we it's easily confused. It's dangerously uh, confused at times when we, yeah, when we blur those lines, as I, once again, to use that phrase. Well, and, and let's be fair here. There are things, the conservative confessional churches, we can learn from this. We, we ought to intentionally be more welcoming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, yeah. we ought to intentionally seek to integrate families into the life of the congregation. That doesn't mean we do so by artificially creating something that's not there. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves about the commercial church mm-hmm. is the emphasis on creating community. Right, mm-hmm. you talk about any missional focused pastor, they're going to talk to you about creating community sooner or later. No, the congregation is already the community. Mm-hmm. You don't have to create it. God has done that around word and sacrament. Mm-hmm. But, but you, like you said, you, you had this. I, I don't even want to repeat that title. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things I remember, and this was four or five years ago, and. and I will caveat this. This is not intended to be a political post. It just so happens that Mike Lindell is now a political oh, figure right. du jour. But one of the the nameless kind of, you know, the we, we have churches in the cities. Uh, Twin cities. Yeah, this, yep. yeah, the Twin Cities. One is called Relevant Church. Uh, another one, uh, they're like these these adjective in church. And, and to be uncharitable, it always sounds like to me like you're trying to convince yourself you know, like you call yourself relevant church. It sounds like you're trying to convince yourself you're actually relevant kind of a thing. Anyway, one of these community churches with this catchy name and this marketing scheme on Easter, on Easter Sunday, mm. was giving away a my pillow to anyone who would visit the church for the first time on Easter Sunday. And that's what I'm talking about with the commercialization of the church. Mm-hmm. How on earth... Can a church respond to actual persecution in that environment? What does it even look like? Hmm. You know, how do you stand when, when you know, like in the underground church in China, when they come to shut down your church because you're, mm-hmm. you, they say you're preaching against the stage? How do you understand, Lord have mercy, the churches in Afghanistan yeah. where all the Christians yeah, are in right. hiding right now, yeah. or the churches that that face these raiding bands of Islamic terrorism terrorists in Africa, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we're here giving away door prizes <laughs> to anyone who will come in the front door. <laughs> what is going to happen when the persecution actually hits in this yeah. country? Yeah, we're not we're not trusting in the power of the word. Uh, yeah, we think that the the gospel is not sufficient, that needs to be something else attached to it. And that's what Article 14 is about. You mm-hmm. nailed it right on the head, that when we lose the structure and the purpose and the identity of the church, when we punt on the office of the ministry, when we lose that order, it ends up being a functional confession that the word of God is something less than what God communicates in mm-hmm. his word, mm-hmm. right? That's where it yeah. all goes. And so this confession and this statement that they make, we must obey God rather than men, uh, it becomes a, uh, an opportunity for us to repent 
you know, if we're not, <laughs> maybe we're not obeying God in, no. in some way. And, and it also can be a rallying cry for us as a church. Both at the same thing. Mm-hmm. We, we can't obey God rather than men if we don't know what the scripture says. And if we know what the scripture says, our default position should be one of repentance mm-hmm. because we're not living up to it. Now, what's interesting is at the very end of this account, the last few verses of chapter 5, uh, after they've been on trial for the second time and, and the, the Sanhedrin or the ruling Jews had scolded them in almost a comical way. Uh, the Verse 41, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Mm-hmm. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease in teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Is that going to happen in American churches right now? Hmm. That we would consider ourselves worthy to suffer dishonored for the name, or are we going to fight it in some other way? And in suffering dishonor for the name of Jesus, is it going to be because our churches did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus? Hmm. Just think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, it, is that a good place to... Does that count with wrap? ending on a verse? <laughs> <laughs> ending on a verse, yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess so. All right, well, we can wrap it up there. We'll, uh, we are hoping yep. to be on a more regular yes. schedule at this point in time. So, uh, you know, we probably won't miss two weeks in a row. Uh, but yeah. uh, apologies. Thanks again to everyone who's listening. Uh, for, for those who send feedback to us, uh, there's a form on beinglutheran.com. Uh, We appreciate hearing from our listeners. Mm -hmm. Uh, We appreciate uh, criticism and correction and rebuke uh, when we've been in error. Uh, And and we appreciate those who are doing the work uh, for us of spreading Mm -hmm. the the news of the podcast. Uh, Everything that's happened with this podcast so far has been word of mouth. Uh, and we're very appreciative of that. Yes, uh, we, right. we try not to fall too far into the trap of self-promotion, but we have <laughs> we have very loyal listeners who uh, do a, a lot of work for us yeah. in, in, in making people know about what we're doing. So we appreciate that. Thank so thank you. Very you. Much. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.